As a leader of your company, you must stay up to date with your strategies and execution or risk obsolescence. Welcome to the Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. And now, here's your host, Jerry Purcell. It's the Finnovate Show, brought to you by Innovation 360 Group. I'm Jerry Purcell. Get ready to think about your biggest challenges and capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external consultants to fill knowledge and experience gaps or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. The Innovation 360 Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leadership from around the globe and cost-effectively makes it available to you. Get the insights, advice, and systems you need to succeed. Learn more at www.innovation360.com. Our guest today is Bruce Rovat, CEO of Intraday, Inc., Bruce is a veteran of the financial services and supply chain world, and as such, he's been the COO of a top 15 U.S. regional bank, executive vice president of global transaction banking for a top 10 bank, payments and liquidity practice leader for a tier one systems integrator, and leader of a European manufacturing organization's global supply chain. His focus for almost two decades has been on innovation and the management of intraday liquidity for both banks and corporates all over the world. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. We've known each other for a long time, and um, you have an impressive career. Tell me a little bit about your view on liquidity today. Well, really, I mean, essentially, the the kind of the news flash is the interest rates are so low, they're essentially at zero and trending negative in areas, you know, such as Europe. Consequently, you know, more than ever, kind of the velocity of money, the velocity of payments, kind of where everything is, has become more important, you know, to, to keep track of things. When I started my career in the physical supply chains, the idea was to track things more and more efficiently. The margins in that kind of business are very low. And so trying to make sure that everything is tracked and traced and packed appropriately so you're not shipping any air is critical in that kind of business. In the financial services area, the margins are so much higher that the industry has not had to do that until now. And in some cases, Jerry, when you have an interest rate that's effectively at zero, you'll still hear people within the industry say that, you know, money really has no value because of the you know, kind of the legacy it has tied to an interest rate. But there's always a cost of capital, so to speak. So essentially with, you know, where we are today, you really need to make sure that you understand, you know, where your monies are at all times. And if you have too much or too little in any, in any place. Great. So the, the underlying implication of that is that if you don't have it figured out, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yes, absolutely. You know, today it's, um, you know, many of the processes that we have in the financial services area, it's an end of day process and it's an Excel based process or, you know, or semi manual process. 
And as, you know, technology has kind of moved forward and you have, you know, now almost 60 countries with, you know, kind of real-time domestic payment systems, and you see the consumer world being essentially kind of instant payments, real-time payments, that's starting to bubble up to the financial services, the, you know, B2B world to where managing money at the end of the day is not sufficient anymore. You need to have a better handle on where the monies are, you know, kind of during the day and more importantly, you know, kind of forecasting what those are going to be. So what are the implications um, of all this fragmentation and uh, old fashioned, I guess, uh, for the two of us or know what old fashioned is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so some old fashioned ways of looking at money and, and managing liquidity. Well, you know, when I, you know, kind of grew up, you know, as a, as a young engineer, there was a lot of in the, you know, kind of physical supply chains, there was a lot of kind of scenario planning and a lot of forecasting and things going on. And so I learned a lot about the value of that. And now with a lot of, you know, kind of more and more uncertainty, you know, with crash of 708, with COVID, with other things happening today, you know, the idea of, you know, really making sure you pay attention to more and more of the details to try to make sure that you understand where your inflows and outflows are and what the risks of those are and what you do about it, you know, as things change, right? We live in an uncertain world, but more uncertain than almost ever before. And so, you know, moving to kind of a more of a laissez-faire, hands-off, end-of-day process to a more active, whether you're a bank managing liquidity or you're a corporation really managing your your working capital becomes more and more important for your, you know, for the kind of risk of your business and managing it more effectively. In your experience, how um, normal is it or what's the sort of potential uh, that a C- CFO may or may not have actually thought of it that way or seen an uh, intraday profile uh, or a minute-to-minute minute minute sort of perspective of their of their holdings? Well, our experience, Jerry, really is that almost 90%, you know, 9 out of, nine out of 10, 9.5 out of 10 CFOs or treasurers have never really seen an intraday profile Corporations almost for sure never look at that. Banks, you know, with the crash will look at that a little bit, but they don't, there isn't really technology today out there that really, you know, has all these kind of piece parts all kind of work together. The essence is that, you know, like any kind of process, when you're, when you are relying on kind of manual inputs, you know, manual feeds, and then you wind up with, you know, stressed events, they wind up being a little bit more difficult to reproduce. It's not that it's impossible, but it just really takes a heck of a lot of, a lot of work. And, you know, we've been around long enough over the last, let's say, decade or so where, you know, we're in this kind of data world. And so all the piece parts are there, you know, in terms of data to go ahead and, and to, um, you know, if you're willing to kind of take the data and put it to piece it together and with open APIs and some of the new technologies, open banking, artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning, 
you now can start to see that an automated, you know, always on demand, you know, kind of forecast of your money, you know, where it is, how much it is, when it's going to run out and what you're going to do about it. You know, that is, is here today. So I just think that it's, it's one of those things like this podcast, for example, Jerry, I mean, it's, you know, it's an education system of trying to change people's paradigms and behaviors. Yeah. So I'm imagining that a lot of the vendors who are talking about machine learning and AI and those kind of things see that as the answer to everything. <laughs> yeah. So, right. so tell me, tell me why it's not. Well, you know, in a, again, we, in all these stress events, COVID-19 is, a, you know, is just a, is one example is that you build a process around some machine learning or some artificial intelligence, deep learning, depending on what terminology you use. But that is built on what's happened historically. And you use that as at least a foundation to go ahead and build a prediction or a forecast. And in this particular case, in March of, um, you know, of 2020, essentially the world's economic conditions fundamentally changed to where those economic conditions drove revenues, they drove expenses, they drove activity, almost just dropped, you know, 50, 60, 80%, over 100%, you know, in terms of plane travel, people buying, you know, things associated with, with travel, people now not, you know, filling up their cars with gasoline because they were not going anywhere. All of a sudden, those things that were typically had a pattern before and that you would use all of this technology, artificial intelligence, and so on, all those things just didn't work anymore because the patterns had changed so abruptly. Yeah, and I, I would imagine some changes in the interest rate regimen as well, like negative rates and those kind of things have had a real impact on, on the actual value of money intraday. Yes. So, you know, what you have is you have a lot of – you have an uncertain event – you have a process that really wasn't built and, you know, to be kind of a sustainable, repeatable process. And so now what you're trying to do is you're really trying to scramble on what it is that you, that you do and you're trying to get more details. So you're moving more to, you know, to your point on the intraday side, you're trying to get more details of what's happening during the day. And so you, you know, you're now trying to find, you know, what's the best way to do that? And in some places, to point about negative interest rates, you know, there's a there's a cost now for if you're, let's say, a bank and you're long at the end of the day just because, you know, of unforeseen circumstances. Now that winds up being an expense for you because you need to pay the central bank, you know, whatever it is, they've gone up about 10 basis points each increment, and I think it's around 50 basis points today, you know, so you, there's real costs there that have never been on your income statement or cash flow statement that have to be accounted for. So again, uh, the market brings these new payment mechanisms that are sort of built on the premise of the speed of movement and the control and like that. How does that impact the marketplace? And then what's the implication if one side of the transaction has got it figured out and the other side doesn't? Well, I think, you know, people still get on the phone, fortunately, to try to try to understand this. But I think, you know, what your, you know, your question kind of alludes to the fact that, 
you know, within an organization. So when you think about your these larger organizations that, you know, have kind of a global view, you know, they can represent somewhere 30, 40% of all the transactions that are, that are happening. So I think one of the first things that what we've learned with, within organizations is that if you can kind of take care of your own house and keep it clean, first and foremost, by looking at all your internal transactions that you're paying, uh, whether it's across you know, one region or one country like, let's say, the United States or Canada or Europe or Asia, you know, some of these things are much easier to to manage because you, you can take a large piece, 30 or 4% of your entity and really have it well, you know, well understood. And it's all within your control. For the, for the piece that's, you know, 50, 60, 70% that's more external entities that you're dealing with, you know, other, you know, suppliers, vendors, customers, then it's really trying to work with these new patterns and trying to make sure that you have the data at your, you know, at your fingertips in some you know, in some software, you know, whether it's Excel or a lot of the other new tools. And by piecing the internal and then the external together, rather than trying to all take it in one bite, you know, it's really been what, the way that we've seen a lot of firms be successful, you know, in this kind of, in, you know, this COVID world. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team routinely needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Imagine having a plan in place in 30 days to focus your innovation efforts, improve customer experience, accelerate your move to digitization, or increase speed to market. Our guide to accelerating your innovation agenda provides you with insights and time-saving resources to plan your path forward. Contact Jerry to book a quick call or for your complimentary copy at www.linkedin.com backslash in backslash Jerry Purcell. G-E-R-R-Y-P-U-R-C-E-L-L or email Jerry at jerry.purcell at innovation360group.com. So it sounds like with all the changes going on and sort of the wrinkle and the uncertainty that comes from COVID, that there's a real need to be thinking about the future, and that means innovation. So what what are some of the things that are ways of looking at liquidity that you think might change over, over the next little bit? I think, again, much like what happened in the physical supply chain world is that the way you and I and, you know, our households, you know, see you know, packages for any holiday or special occasion or things that we just need now are delivered. We see those and those are something that we can see on our phones or our, you know, iPads and, and we can track those. We can see the location of the item. We can see, you know, how much it weighs. We can see it's, you know, it's, it's being tracked in a little, uh, kind of visualization. And we know when it's expected to be delivered, you know, sometime today by five or whatever. Well, that's how money is, is moving 
and the technologies that are starting to, you know, be more and more accessible to the people, you know, those are things that you're going to now be able to see, you know, much more readily than ever before. And what I mean by that is that, you know, so you have, you know, the data analytics and you have like, uh, you know, Swift and you have, you know, real-time systems. What they're doing is they're, you know, basically trying to weave together these different pieces of information so you can see how your payment is moving from, you know, the UK to the United States, you know, from one bank to the next, to your bank account and when it should be and when it should arrive. Most of the pieces are here today, Jerry, and you can slowly see that, you know, that um, both companies and the technologies are starting to merge together to allow people to see the actual real movement of, um, you know, of monies and, um, and when they arrive, much, you know, much like they do today in the physical supply chain. So I remember back when I had a real job, I used to make buckets of money for the bank in float. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, right. so, so are you telling me that float's going to be gone? I'm saying the float will be replaced. You know, it's maybe it's going to take a, you know, have a long tail, but it will be replaced by other fees. So today, you know, the, when we think of a fee on a physical package, we think of that fee being, do I want it today? Do I want it tomorrow? Do I want it in a week? And there's various uh, fee changes if you if I want it faster versus I want it slower. So being able to churn that on and off based on the customer's desire is really where the you know banks will will you know kind of migrate. They will keep the relationship you know with the customer because of the trust that they have in that in that institution and then the you know the the banks will offer you know through let's say intermediaries or through other partners you know these various you know applications that can provide the different services that the customer wants you know so yeah float will be a thing that's going to definitely change but it's going to be replaced with things that, you know, customers pay for things that they want rather than something that the, the, the bank just offers them as a, as, a, as a blanket and, you know, there's this float and you can't have your money for, you know, two or three days because they just held it. Those days are slowly fading. So how are customers' needs changing or, or do, you, do you see any telegraphing of new products or new ways of approaching things, whatever they're coming from, how things are evolving? Well, I think... You know, what we see is, you know, things like, you know, Zelle and Venmo here in the United States is a good example or the real-time payments network. You start to see that, like anything, it's a it's a change in behavior and, and a change in expectation. I remember, again, you know, going back to reading in the, you know, for Fred Smith when he received a, you know, I think famously he received a C on his on his college paper about his idea for Federal Express, at the time, the paradigm and the behavior was, why would I need a package delivered to me overnight or in, that, you know, or in two days? 
But once people realized they could have that information and they could they could have access to it, sure enough, there was a demand for it. And the same thing today is with a lot of the fintechs, you know, Zelle and Venmo are, are, are examples of, of services that have grown out of the fintechs. And once people know that they can have money, you know, essentially instantly, you know, in a few seconds to see it in their account and have it moved irrevocably, we see that there is a demand for that. And even though the United States has, let's say, been slower to adopt in some countries, like so, for example, in the UK, they've been at uh, faster payments for now over a decade. It started with, you know, a few thousand pounds, and it's kind of moved up now to about a million pounds, I think, is the transaction size. So, you know, when money moves there to, you know, from, let's say, a, one institution to a, you know, college to pay someone's tuition, for example, it all moves less than five seconds. And so what we, you know, what we see is, again, very similar, you know, to kind of repeat on the physical supply chains, we just see the same kind of activity moving with financial systems and people saying, okay, this is a great thing. You know, why not do it, ask for it today? Because, you know, even though before I didn't think about it, now that I can have it, in some cases, you don't even need it today. But, you know, because you, it's a choice. You can you can have it that way. Mm-hmm. So let's take out our crystal ball. Let's think about uh, you know uh, ten years from now or or a little thereabouts twenty the twenty thirties. What what do you think is going to change? What what will the payments and liquidity environment look like? Well, I I think you know I think everything keeps accelerating. I um, you know I read an article recently and it it just kind of walked through very quickly about. You know, when the landline phone was first introduced, it took 75 years for it to reach 50 million users. And then when electricity came about, it only took 46 years to reach 50 million users. And then it fast forwarded into Twitter where it hit the 50 million user milestone in two years. And then, uh, the, Game application, Angry Birds required 35 days. And so you, you continue to see that technology makes it, you know, easier and easier to impact more and more people. So going back to your point about the crystal ball is that I think that trend continues. Everything around us will accelerate and the financial industry is kind of no exception. In, you know, today we have about 60 countries that are embracing real-time domestic payment networks. You know, in another 10 years, I'm sure that, you know, two-thirds of the 200 countries in the world will have real-time payment systems. Uh, these are things that don't happen overnight, but I'm sure that, that that happens. And when you have those domestic payment systems, that's the trigger for then having the ability to have cross-border transactions happen in real time. So in 2030, you know, again, in terms of the crystal ball, is that I'm sure that the banks, the corporations are all going to be able to, if you desire as a customer of of these institutions, if you want real-time visibility and you want real-time delivery of your monies, 
um, you will have it. Request to pay is another, you know, example that's here in today, especially in Europe, that, you know, you can ask for when you want your, you know, your um, receivables and agree on these things in, in advance. It's, uh, so these are things that are, you can see that are just on the cusp and, but in another 10 years, this will be, this will be commonplace. And, and really perfect cash flows will be, you know, will be, uh, commonplace. You can, you'll pay for how much you want long or if you want to be, you know, short because of some strategic reason in your business. Those are all things that today may not be options, but with more and more information, uh, you definitely will have those, those opportunities. So one final question for you. What advice would you give to uh, to leaders today and, and sort of leaders, you know, looking forward to, to uh, the future? Well, I would say that in any industry, in, in any business, you know, your cash flow or your, you know, for a corporation or your liquidity for a bank, you know, that really is your lifeblood. And so trying to um, trying to find a way to manage that, you know, as much as you can with, you know, and I, I'll exaggerate here, but, you know, with, with perfect insight, with perfect, you know, data feeding that, you know, actually touches all the people, all the employees, all the suppliers, customers in your, in your kind of ecosystem and, uh, improves the kind of the, the lifeblood of the organization. And it also gives everybody confidence around you that you, you know, are managing, you know, efficiently a, a kind of a well-run, well-run business. And with the technology that exists today, you know, it just is not that difficult to do it, especially if you take, you know, kind of a higher, you know, higher value, you know, approach and get a, you know, you get a very high return on investment very quickly. So I, I would say that that's where I would, I would lean and I would encourage everybody to, to, you know, take advantage of the opportunities and the technologies and the applications that are out there. Sounds like also figure out a way of not counting on float. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Some of us have to be a little more creative than that. So thank you very much, Bruce. That wraps up this episode. And uh, as always, I look forward to hearing thoughts from you, our listeners, about today's show. Please keep the conversation going. If you like the show, tell your friends. And please take a minute to rate our show or to comment on LinkedIn. Go to www.innovation360.com or your favorite podcast site to find out more and to listen to more shows. Stay safe and see you next week. And thank you very much for chatting with me today, Bruce. Oh, you're most welcome. Be safe. You've been listening to The Finnovate Show with Jerry Purcell. If you like the show, share it on your network and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. This is The Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. Today.